Rain or shine, it's here to make you laugh. It's the Steamboat Comedy Podcast. It's the Steamboat Comedy Podcast. And now your host, Kyle Ruff. All right, welcome to the Steamboat Comedy Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Ruff, joining you yet again, and I am joined over the phone by our friend from the Big Apple, the star of Desperation Day 2, Mr. Robbie Bernstein. How you doing, bud? Doing great, and uh, I'm happy that you're still calling when you do comedy. <laughs> well, I mean, it's better than just sitting around the house and uh, occasionally uploading things to YouTube and talking to people on the phone. Yeah, man, you can't let coronavirus get to you. Right? Right? Well, it's getting to my, uh, I don't know, it's getting to my wallet a little bit. It's actually kind of good for my wallet is the sad thing. I know we were we were texting back and forth about how crazy the unemployment thing is. But uh, are, you, are you even spending money, though? Because I would think, like, I mean, actually, it's, probably, it's worse for you because you mostly ate meals at your restaurant. Yeah. So now you're probably feeding yourself two more deals like meals a day, which is probably your biggest expense, right? Kind of, yeah, I mean, I'd say that's the biggest expense, but it's it's not bad. We've been doing a thing where uh, the roommates, I'm lucky I live with a bunch of people, and we all just pitch in and we all cook like a big thing once a week. You know what I mean? So like for dinner, I just got to cook like once or twice a week, and I just buy it in bulk. So it's not too bad, really. It's kind of working out. All right, but... Then my question is, who's the freeloader that cooks a really shitty dinner? <laughs> that's that's probably me actually, because I've I've been landing on Tuesdays, and every Tuesday has just been Taco Tuesday with just pre-mixed shit I buy at the store. <laughs> well, you can't, you can't really get about mad about tacos on Tuesday. Then I'll go the other way. Who's the guy who you show up and like they actually put out like a full gourmet spread? Oh man, I mean we've had. Uh, Everybody's been going pretty hard. Jared, who's usually here with me, Jared, uh, he's been kind of up and down. Like, he'll do kind of like ghetto fancy stuff. Like, he did chicken and waffles the one night, which was pretty solid. But then uh, my other roommate, who actually just left town for Montana for his summer job, but he was making, like, curry and pad thai and uh, all kinds of fancy shit. So it's been, uh, yeah. He was, one of the, he was one of those food channel stoners where he, this was his big opportunity to experiment and try some dishes. Yeah, pretty much. That that sums it up pretty accurately. Definitely a stoner, and I, I assume by what he's been cooking, probably the food channel was involved. I love the way you guys live, because when I came by to visit, firstly, your house is a fun hang, but you just had like this cake sitting out in the kitchen, which... You would never see in a New York home because roaches would overtake it, but it's a cold environment, so... <laughs> right. And it, it wasn't clear at what point someone might declare, hey, this should be thrown out, or if you were just going to let it sit there until someone got so stoned that they're like, fuck it, I'm going to be the one to eat this stale cake. So I like that because that was just a sign of, you know, how stonery your house was. But the best was one night I slept by you guys, and I think it might have been like one thirty or 2 in the morning, another roommate came through who I hadn't met. I guess there's like nine of you living in this place, so one of them <laughs> I hadn't met. Yeah. And the guy just comes through, and he starts like, 
smoking a bong and I'm asleep on the couch. And I wake up and he's like, oh, shit, sorry, man. But he wasn't alarmed that there was some guy he never met just sleeping on his couch. <laughs> even though guys don't lock the door. No one warned him about my presence. I guess you guys have a lot of gay sex with other gay men. So he just figured I was one of those people. Right. Uh, but, you know, he sat down, he smoked his bong, and then he just went to his room, went to sleep. And it was very, like, uh, half-baked guy on the couch situation where he just, he, you know... Whatever. He was smoking weed. He didn't care if there was random people sleeping in his house. What did it matter to him? Oh, yeah. That sounds uh, that sounds accurate. That sounds exactly like how this house usually operates. There's usually someone random just passing through. Just like today. God, it was so funny. Uh, my There's a guy who's staying on our couch who uh, doesn't live here. And he was like, hey, do you mind if I invite a buddy over? to like crash for a day and we're like okay sure and then an hour later that guy showed up so then there was two guys who did live here just crashing on our couch and that's just kind of like the norm around here you know yeah well okay couple comments on stoners first is they make for the best friends because they just don't give a shit like you can be in a car you know your friend smoking weed you're like hey man I don't know where I'm going he's like I don't care Whereas, like, the normal person would freak the fuck. Like, what do you mean? You're just driving. You don't know where we're going. Like, that's what's great about, for as friends, stoners are the best friends because they don't care about anything. You can't piss them off. But then on the flip side, they're the worst people to work with. Like, that's the funnest guy to hang out with, but the worst person to have to rely upon on work. Like, you don't want the guy who's relaxed and doesn't give a shit. Um, but then yeah. you got the problem where it's okay to be, in my opinion, it's great if you're like the one stoner in a house because then you're the guy who smokes weed and doesn't give a shit. But you get too many of them together, and then all of a sudden everyone, every juncture in time, somebody's got a friend who's like sleeping in the house, and the guy who's randomly sleeping in the house never respects the house as much as the people that actually live there. Right. And then you just end up kind of sleeping in some dorm frat, messy garbage place forever but you like that so i'm not judging you (laughs) now we keep it relatively clean actually we have a couple uh rare breeds which is uh ambitious stoners well you're one of those oddly you are one of those you're a get done shit stoner guy well i'm actually i'm not a stoner dude i haven't smoked weed in probably oh man i haven't smoked weed in probably like five years Oh, you don't smoke any weed at all. No, no, I'm just a fucking drunk. That's my that's my uh, narcotic of choice. Got you. I'm more of a drunk than I am a stoner. Um, and there was definitely a stretch in my life where I was like a stoner stoner. Mm-hmm. Now, like I still I, I still smoke weed, and like compared to people that don't smoke weed, they might be like surprised by how much weed I smoke. But compared to the spot, like, I would say probably twice a week I'm smoking some weed, but not, like, a ton of weed. I'm taking, like, a couple hits from a vape pen kind of thing, which the people that don't smoke, that's being a stoner. But compared to, like, people I know that, like, literally just smoke joints all day, and compared to, like, my own history of marijuana, I feel like I don't even smoke weed. Like, that's the way I view myself with smoking once or twice a week, is I'm not even a guy who smokes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I would consider you in the same boat. I've got... It, all of my friends either don't smoke weed or they smoke weed every single day at least twice. Yeah, I don't it doesn't it doesn't work for me, but I've also you know, I, I drink every night, so who am I to judge? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. We're we're the healthy ones, we're the ones who drink every day. 
uh, yeah, it's um I, the stoner thing isn't too bad. You just can't you can't rely on them to be punctual anywhere. Is kind of what I've found. You know what I mean? Like they're a good hang. They're really nice. But if you're like, hey, can you meet me in five minutes? Or like, hey, let's do this thing. Let's play a board game or something in like fifteen minutes. It happens like an hour later. You know. No, they're just not reliable right because the flip side of being like chill is that they're not invested and they don't give a shit so they're fun to hang out with because they're going to be jolly they're going to laugh like they're not they're going to be spaced they're going to get overly excited about shit but you don't want to rely on them and you don't want to work with those people because the same guy who like just is kind of flipping and doesn't care also doesn't bother to read the email he also doesn't (laughs) bother to respond to the email he doesn't show up to the meeting. He doesn't do the preparation for the meeting. Like, those are fun people to hang out with. You don't want to rely on them. The drunks, though, they've got, like, this anger thing to, to them, which gets them to, like, like they almost want a reason to be annoyed with people, so they'll do their homework, they'll be punctual, and they'll do all those things for motivation to drink later because that's like they're winding up the stress all day that they got more motivation to drink. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something about... Cause I, you know, I work in like the uh, food and beverage industry is like my day job. Right. And it's, it's a big mix of stoners and drunks and no sober people whatsoever. So comparing how the stoners. Oh, you know why prepared, that is? Can I just tell you why that is? Why? Because if you took a break from those narcotics, you would just improve your life and do a different job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And you might like go back to school or like <laughs> be an engineer. Yeah. You just, yeah. <laughs> A sober waiter is called the guy getting it together. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it's also especially, uh, I mean, well, I should even say especially, it's the same if you're, like, in the front like a waiter or if you're, like, a cook in the back. Working in F&B involves a lot of getting shit on, you know? Like, it's like if you're a waiter, people will just, like, tell you you're a piece of shit to your face sometimes, like, even when it's not your fault and you just kind of have to take it. And that's a lot of, like, yeah. pent up, like, fuck it. And then you just get done with work and you just slam five beers. You know, even if it's two in the morning yeah. when you get off. And also, part of it is that the beer and alcohol is there. And part of the thrill is that usually it's free or discounted. And that's part of what you're getting away with at work. It, it's kind of like that high school feeling of if you drank or smoked in high school and you didn't feel like you were ruining your future, you felt like you were somehow getting at the principal. And then you leave and you realize, oh, I'm not educated, and it, it just fucked yourself over. But when you were there in that moment, it felt like getting high at lunch was sticking it to the man, and you were winning because it was their responsibility to educate you. So it's kind of the same thing at a waitering job, where it's like, if you can get away with being drunk for your whole shift and then partying at the end, you're kind of in a good environment for that, and it feels like you're winning. Right? Like, you, you do think you're sticking it to the man, but in reality, you're just sticking it to your own liver. And productivity. Yeah. <laughs> I had, um, I only had one, I had a bartending job once. That was the world's worst. I, I well, actually, I was a good part, bartender, like, I was good at, uh, like, being friendly, making conversation, and that kind of shit. Mm. But I had no idea, I had no idea how to make the drink. But anyways, <laughs> my move was, I worked at a bar you weren't allowed to drink at. And so what I did was, I never stole drinks, but I always kind of over-mixed up. So that anytime somebody was ordering something, I would overmix it, and then I would just finish whatever was like left in the mixing glass. And that meant I was just drinking like 
you know, different mixes all fucking night. I'd get hammered behind the bar. And then it was always this game of, I had, like, long shifts. So you'd have this moment where you realize, oh, I just started a word. I'm too drunk. It was like surfing. So then I would pound coffee. And then you go, okay, I've sobered back out. Let's ramp back up. And then you go, oh, shit, I just got too drunk, and there's still four more hours of my shift. That's probably why... <laughs> That's probably why people end up doing coke. Like I was young enough, I didn't need that. I would just kind of pound coffee. Right. But that was like, that was like I called it in my head. It was like surfing through your bar shift, where you go too far drunk, you'd have to pull it back down, then you'd go back up. It was a thrill. Right. It's it really is like a cocaine is like the uh, the the blue collar man's espresso, especially especially in a ski town, yeah. especially at a restaurant. Jesus Christ. I, uh, if anyone's yeah. listening from my uh, career, none of that, of course, happens uh, where I work. But um, there's definitely some sketchy shit that goes on that I've seen in a lot of different restaurants. And it's it's usually it's like that where someone's like, oh, shit. And they, they are bummed about something and they start getting messed up in the morning. And next thing you know, they can't work. And so they either got to, like, do something to get it up or either shotgun Red Bulls or, like, I've seen dudes take quad shots of espresso or nose beers is the occasional uh, remedy for some people. Not me, if you're listening, my employment or any of my staff. Uh, yeah, it's it's a weird mix of chemicals that it requires for a uh, for a lot of businesses to function, especially a restaurant. I've uh, I've had comedy nights that way in Times Square where oh, yeah. like at the at the venue doing shows from like 5 p.m. all the way to 2 in the morning. Yep. And uh, I, I definitely had where it's that balancing act of, fuck, I got too drunk, let me go get a Red Bull. Mm-hmm. All right, let me just try and get like like fun drunk just before this, like my set begins. And it's a, it's a, it's that, that, that's the downside to alcoholism where you, you kind of blow past the fun part to the, how do I just be the right amount of drunk to maintain for this 10 minutes that I have to come across like a human being. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's a, there's like a, a window you got to hit, you know, I'm too drunk, but if I smoke three cigarettes and I have a Red Bull, I feel like I could be a human being for 10 more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> if I have one shot of whiskey, a cup of coffee, do 10 push ups, and someone slaps me in the face, then I got a five minute window that I'm going to kill it. I'll tell you, I had one time where, uh, I mean, it's not the only time, but I had one time where I did uh, a nice bump right before going on stage. Mm -hmm. And I remember for like the first five minutes of my set, I'm killing. I'm on this side of the stage. I'm on that side of the stage. I'm fucking (laughs) murdering it. And then at about five minutes, my energy started to crash. And I'm up on stage like, man, I really need another bump. (laughs) (laughs) Just like say to the crowd, like, anybody can help me out here? I got any blow? Throw it my I way. think I probably even just said that, but I was like, I can't do another ten minutes now. I gotta sit down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I've never been, you know, I've never been too messed up before going on stage. There's been there's been times where I was like on the edge of being a little bit too hammered, but I've never like done a bunch of drugs or got like fucking like stoned out of my mind or anything on stage. That sounds terrifying to me. I've had I've had both. Um, I had, well, first I'll tell you just drunk, because I used to have, it's funny, I used to meet up with people sometimes in the city or bar at like 8 p.m., and I'd be like, I can't drink, and they're like, what do you mean you can't drink? I'm like, just believe me, I can't drink, and then they'd come with me to like LOL at 10, and then I'd be at LOL from 10 to 2 a.m., and they'd be like, okay, I get where you're coming from, because if you even have like 
Now, I'm talking Friday and Saturday nights. Those were kind of the drinking night. Because if you had a drink, even one, like, maybe I'd have one or two beforehand, but if you had one or two before, and then you got five or six there, when I was working at LOL, by the end of the night, I'd be fucking hammered. But it was okay, because the late-night crowds were also hammered. Right. So you were kind of, like, in the same place as them. Um, I don't, I, I've had a couple experiences where I've gone up on stage. I, I don't like going up on stage stone. That's really rare. I don't think I've done it in the last five years of comedy. Yeah. I've had a couple times where I've done it, and it's been great. I had one time where I, I smoked weed um, on the top of the roof at LOL with Dave Smith, and Dave Smith was hosting. Nice. And I'm telling you, we, we started, I hadn't smoked weed in like a year, and I was like bug out, like 100% bug out stone. Like I was, and I knew I shouldn't go on stage, but I also just didn't have the balls to be like, Dave, I fucked up, I'm too stoned, I can't go up on stage. And I also like only had like one hit from a bowl. So I remember telling him, I was like, hey man, just like, don't leave me up there too long. And <laughs> I go up there, and you've never seen anybody bomb worse in your entire life. <laughs> no. I'm like, I'm just in the back of my head wondering, have I already told this joke? Am I even saying words? I can't <laughs> oh, even geez. I was so horrifically stoned. At some point, I finally just admitted to the crowd. I was like, hey, guys, I'm really sorry. I went up to the roof, and I smoked weed. And then, like, I kind of rallied a little bit where I was like, I'm too fucked up. I can't be up here. And then I finally got the waiter to go get Dave. Dave was so stoned, he forgot I was on stage. He left me up there for 20 minutes. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, in the back of your mind, you're like, have I been up here forever? And in reality, you, like, have been because they forgot about I have you. Been, I was supposed to do five minutes, and it was 20 minutes. And it was, I'm telling you, I didn't say, I, I, it was, that was the most, horrifying experience in my life. Like, I remember just being frightened out of my mind, listening to myself talk while a room full of people were just staring at me. That was brutal. That's hilarious. Does Does Dave usually smoke before he goes up? No, Dave, Dave doesn't really uh, smoke much weed anymore. Uh, right. This goes back, like, five or six years ago, and him and Lou, like, there were a bunch of them. They just used to... Like, all night, they smoked weed on the roof and went up, and it was nothing for them. That was just kind of their jam. I don't know if he wants me to say that or doesn't want me to say that, but, I, I mean, this this goes back six or seven years, and those guys were definitely just rocking bowls and drinking beers, and they were living it. Um, yeah. He's got the kid now, so, you know, it's not it's not what he's doing now, but at the time, fucking rock stars, you know, they were just every night, beers, bowls, and comedy. God bless. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, when you don't have kids or you're young doing comedy, who gives a shit? I just can't. I'm not a functional stoner at all, dude. I The reason I quit doing it is because the, the, the paranoia and shit would be too much for me. And, yeah, being in front of people. I remember one of the worst times getting high. I got high and I went to class in high school, and that was just the worst thing. Like getting stoned before school, and I was sitting in the front row, this is pre-calculus. This would have been my uh, junior year. And the teacher was my football coach. And he fucking, he didn't like me very much. None of my football coaches liked me very much. And and I was completely fucking ripped. And I was just completely spaced out. And then he calls on me. He's like, rough. And I was like, huh? And he's like, I asked you a question. What's the answer? And I was just like, uh, uh. Uh, and he just scoffed and looked at me like I was a piece of shit, which I was. And I, it just scarred me forever. And I was like, I will never smoke weed and get into a pressure situation 
ever again in my life. I, mean, I used to, uh, in, in high school, I used to smoke weed at lunch sometimes and go in, but uh, I'll say my, my biggest problem with weed, firstly, it, it's just not as fun as it used to be. Um, but I guess, like, I guess I like to be fun, and I kind of know my levels of drinking that I would say ramp me up, make me a little bit more pleasant, or make me a little bit less self-conscious and more charming. Right. Uh, what I don't think about weed is I find it's a little bit of a gamble. Like, if I if I drink a beer, I know exactly what it's going to do. If I drink three, four, five, like, I kind of have it measured out of my brain from experience. I know exactly how I'm going to be able to handle myself. I find with weed, it's like, it's too much just rolling the dice, where sometimes it's fun and makes me jolly. Other times it makes me really paranoid and, like, or depressed or down, and I just don't want to be around people. Mm-hmm. So, to me, it's not, it's not, like, the, the best social drug. The one exception is I recently found these edibles that are, like, um, five milligrams and real uppity, and they're, like, perfect. And the problem is, you know, I got my hands on them, and I went through them all in a week, because they're like, all right, I found a great drug here. Um, but I would say that to me is what doesn't work for me, or you just, or if like you're doing it all the time, then you just kind of become a slower version of yourself and there's nothing even fun about it, but that's kind of my life with weed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I, I felt the slowdown when I used to smoke weed all the time too, but for some people it like makes them sharper, blows my mind. I don't really know. Nah, no one, I don't think anyone's made sharper by it. I think you think you're winning. But believe me, if you figured out how to be totally sober, you'd look back at those years that you spent smoking weed all the time and be like, holy shit, I was in a fucking cloud. Right. No, no, one, no one's at their best and nobody's optimized smoking weed all the time. That, that, that's a fabrication. <laughs> oh, man. So speaking of uh, smoking weed, you've been hanging out with your parents, right? Aren't you uh, quarantined up with your parents? Are you partying with them? Yes. So when I first got here, um, firstly, I mean, my dad drinks and there's booze in the house. So, you know, I drink here. Earlier into quarantine, I had these edibles, and I had some nights where I got fucked up on the edibles. I still got a big pen, but I'm not like, like I said, I'm not that big with stoners. I'm not smoking an incredible amount of weed, but yeah. I definitely, I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing too much drinking. That's the honest truth. Yeah, well, luckily my my girlfriend moved out here. She was back in uh, in Michigan, but her classes got shut down way before shit hit the fan here. So she was already like, I don't want to sit in my one bedroom apartment. So she drove out, and she's been helping me not drink as much. What she likes, she doesn't get drunk, but she always has one like heavy IPA every day because she runs like eight miles every day, and I don't. So I have like one or two heavy IPAs with her every day, and I just get fat. But I've been trying to cut it down, not be getting drunk as much. My my new diet plan, this is what a fucking drunk I am. My new diet plan is I'm just going to start drinking uh, vodka and seltzers. Because I can't just quit drinking. I have to drink, you know, shit that doesn't are taste you, very good. Are you actually getting fat? I mean, it might be because you're not skiing, but like compared to, compared to me, you're just like a skinny dude. Well, I've been doing like push-ups every day because it's like basically prison you know what i mean so like i'm kind of yeah. like muscular right now i'm fit that way but i got a nice healthy little beer punch going on in the midsection well i, I mean you can kind of uh, attest to this i i work out probably more than anyone you know i mean especially in quarantine with the prison workouts i, I mean the, basically what i do is i rotate my days between push-ups to failure pull-ups and chin-ups to failure, squats to failure. 
but I'm also mixing in, like today, I did, um, I probably did two hours on my bike, and I did, like, you know, I don't know, probably 200 pull-ups or something, maybe even more than that. Like, I did a ton, but I'm also, like, I, I'm not that, I, I mean, I border on fat, especially now, I'm up, like, 10 pounds since I was by you, so I'm, like, I'm, like, it's healthy in between of being in incredible shape, but I totally have tits. <laughs> Yeah, I know the struggle is real, man. I know exactly what you mean. Because uh, well, I just don't like, like you can do push-ups all day, but it doesn't keep you from getting flabby. You got to go run and shit, right? And I fucking, I hate running. I hate cardio. I actually, I love cardio. My problem is, uh, injury. Like I got a bad knee, so I, I don't. I started twice a week running like a mile and doing some sprints, and then I kind of run back, like. I actually really enjoy, more than cardio, what I really enjoy is, um, like, interval training type shit. I find that really helps with my anxiety, and I like those. I, I, I'm surprised you don't like cardio because the skiing, at least to me, because I don't ski that much, so, it, you know, it, it is a pretty good workout for me. But I find nothing gets me out of my head more than when I'm breathing heavy. If I'm, like, running a sprint or, you know, running stairs or hitting a heavy bag. I find that to me is like the, the the best the best moment. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it, and I I've never really got like the runner's high. That's what everybody talks about. Have you ever done that? Like ran so much that you feel like you're high? Oh uh, my, dude! When I was so yes, I when I was in Israel my second year, I got like really into running. And when I said I got really into running, I didn't really like being there. I was being really religious. I was doing nothing but studying Talmud all day and running. But you had and to I run from that. the Palestinians, right? Weren't they trying? Isn't that what the Israel say? They're getting killed every day. That's what I do, man. That's why I was keeping shit. I was doing an insane <laughs> amount. This is how much running I was doing. I was running every day. I was running like an hour, and then on Tuesdays and Fridays, and that's when we have breaks from classes. I would do these like three to four hour runs. And I ran to the point that I actually could not walk. And when I say could not walk, I meant, like, there was a full month where I couldn't walk, and then I got back to America and finally saw a doctor, and I had, like, ITB syndrome. But let me tell you, like, I, there's nothing better than it, – it, it's basically, like, you can just run to the point where it's, like, not only can you just kind of sit down in a chair and focus, but whatever the fuck's going on, you just – you don't care. Like, you really it, – it's the world's greatest high. It's just – and especially after, like, those really long runs, like the two, three-hour runs, yeah. you, like, when it's over, you can just sit down in a chair and, I don't know, you, your wife can die and your business can fail, and you're just like, all right, now you know I'm tired. <laughs> I ran all day. Nice. Yeah, it's cool. I've, I've never got that. I just... Uh... I I had asthma when I was young, and I don't really have asthma anymore, but I just have lungs that just fucking suck. And so it's cardio has always been just brutal for me. It's a lot of pain. So are you getting out to like ski at all? Or have you guys been just hiking up the mountain so you can see it or not really? Well, people were doing that at first and then they told us we weren't allowed to. They shut it down. People do this thing where they call it skinning where you put uh, like they call it skins, but it's kind of like one way Velcro grip on the bottom of your skis. And then you get like the cross country type skis where your heel detaches and you can basically shuffle and hike all the way up the mountain on the snow. Right. And as soon as the mountain closed, a bunch of people were doing that because the mountain here is actually a national forest. So anyone can just go right. on it. Uh, but to use the, the lifts and stuff, you got to pay. But you can just hike up. Pay. and yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, they right 
probably a week after they shut down the mountain and everything, they put out a thing and they're like, nope, you can't go on the national forest either. You can't even skim up, which is silly, of course, because no one's within, you know, a hundred yards of each other on the entire mountain if you're skinning up. But they shut that down and then all the snow melted. So nobody, uh, nobody's doing it. It is actually, it's, it's going well though, because today, which we're recording this on Sunday the 24th, they actually are allowing restaurants to open uh, in town that you can actually sit down and, like, have a beer for the first time. What do you, what do you normally do in the summer? I mean, the mountain's closed, so what are you even doing anyway? Um, well, uh, there is a lot of good hiking around here. We'll go around, we'll go camping, go hiking. Um, no, I mean, what's your job in the summer? Like, does oh. your restaurant stay open? No, nah, now nah, the place I'm at, you know, you've been there, Ragnar's, is I'd ski and ski out. But I usually work uh, at Haymaker. It's a golf course on the edge of town, and it's owned by the city, but the ski core runs, there's a little restaurant in it, and it's just kind of like a side job that I had. It was super chill, super cake. I never really golf because I'm the fucking, I'm a fairly athletic dude. I am the worst golfer you've ever seen in your entire goddamn life, but... Uh, so I would just work there and it was a chill job. Uh, you bartend, you wait tables. I was a manager and I got to do those things, get a little side cash, but that was the gig. But as soon as all this shit hit the fan, they basically called me and they were like, yo, there's no space for you. Like we're going to have a limited crew. And I was like, well, I'm making more money, not working anyways. So, uh, thanks anyways. And I guess what's nice about like your restaurant, I mean, it would have to be insane for your restaurant not to be in full operation next. Like, the restaurant's not closing. It's got ski mountain money. You just need a new ski ski season, and it's pretty unlikely that there won't be a ski season. So, like, you're actually... I've had this experience. Unemployment sucks if you're concerned about what your next job is because then there's nothing fun about it. Right. If, like, you're... At, at the end of unemployment, when you get a job and you know, like, hey, I'm starting work in two weeks, now you've got a two-week vacation because you can actually go and do something and you don't feel like you're just being a piece of shit. Right. So you're kind of in that space where you know you've got a job next winter, so if unemployment can ride you out till then, you're fucking golden. Oh, yeah, but I'm I'm cake. And I got I don't have enough to last the entire summer, but pretty close. It's to the point where if I wanted to just coast for a couple months at the end of the summer, I probably could. Uh but I've been, dude, I've been doing that for years, man. That's the, the dirty little secret about doing seasonal works like we did at the national parks is in between spots because every job you're always technically laid off. You can get unemployment and I'll apply for my job in Steamboat before I even leave Montana. And then when I have unemployment, I'll just be like, oh, I have a job. It starts in two and a half months. So I don't even have to like pretend to look for work or apply other places. I can just click a button once a week and get that government cheese. There you go. There you go. You got a little racket for yourself. Right. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where some people would be like, Kyle, you're a big like libertarian type. Don't you think it's wrong to, uh, you know, take money from the government or whatever. And it's like, well, if it was up to me, there would be no unemployment, but it also, if it was up to me, there would be no taxes. And since they took and my money in the first place, that you made. yeah, yeah, no, I get it. It's like they they put you in a spot where if you could do the seasonal jobs and stack the money, that you didn't have to work for the three months until the seasonal job came around. You would do that. They don't let you do that because they want you to be invested in the system, and so 
as a seasonal worker, they want you to work for the summer, yep. and they'll give you some of your money back, and then you can work for the winter and pay in. Um, and at the overall, you're still at a net loss within the system, oh, yeah. but they don't want you to be able to be in a situation where you can just kind of provide for yourself like that. It's just not the way that they want it. So I get where you're coming from. Yeah. Listen, whatever fuck, I'm not inclined to try and, you know, like rig the system in my favor, but that I, that might just be uh, like for whoever's kind of thinking that way. I'm sure. I think it comes from more of a low self-esteem. I'm not deserving of this place as much as <laughs> other people. It's like if you got a fucking grip in the system and you can make it work for you, just like go ahead and do that. I, even if you're a libertarian, we didn't choose the parameters of this game, and so if you've got a way to win at it, you know I'm not. I'm not hating. Yeah, man. Don't hate the player. Hate the game, right? Yeah, it works for me. You know, <laughs> if, if if a pimp said it, it, it must be. Uh, must be a moral philosophy. Exactly, yes. I believe the some of the wisest people in our society have been pimps, and uh, that is a renowned quote, I believe. I'm not an expert. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing, just coasting, just hanging out, and I'm really not worried about getting a job. I'm trying to uh, put together a plan. My plan kind of going forward the rest of the summer, especially because comedy is uh, obviously in a hiatus, at least uh, doing it in front of people. I'm trying to build like the uh, the steamboat comedy YouTube presence. Maybe make some silly videos, tell some jokes in front of a camera, some sketches, that kind of thing. That's the direction I think that uh, is going to be most opportune right now. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm doing. I'm just trying to, uh, you know, roll on with my podcast, roll on with Dave's podcast. I just wrote a whole pilot with a friend of mine that hopefully we'll do something with. So. Nice. I'm just the same thing. I, I'm still like, you know, I, I got like a backlog of jokes, and I'm trying to write. I, I try and write every day, but it doesn't happen. It's probably like three or four. Like, I, I definitely have a lot of new shit that I'm going to try, um, and I keep like, you know, trying to be disciplined and sit down and write jokes. But at the end of the day, if you don't have that way to get up on stage and start tinkering with it, it's hard to get too excited about the stand-up. You really need that element to write it. Yeah, I well, a big motivating factor for me is the pressure. Like, knowing that I have yeah. open mic tomorrow is like, well, I can't just show up. Like, showing up unprepared is like something that just like sits in my gut. It's like the worst. So, yeah. knowing that I have to, because I'm going to force myself to do it, especially because I like, you know, run the open mic here. No matter what, I can't get out of it. it that forces me to write something down, even if I'm feeling lazy. It's like having a final, and then you finally get the studying done. I was the same yep. way with open mic. I got my best writing done when I showed up. I had nothing, and I was like, I just got to, like, I'm going up there in a half hour. Same thing when I did your gig, man. The, the best, the most focused three hours I've had in the last ten years was before the first night headlining, and I was pacing back and forth in my room making sure I had my set memorized. Nice. Yeah, man. That's, that's I do the same thing the uh I, I posted a video of it by my latest Facebook Instagram post. I finally got the recording of uh, the New Year's Eve show that we did. And it was all locals, and I was in, like, the headlining spot. And I just work, like, crazy during the holidays. So I hadn't even had time to do anything. And it was before the show. Everyone was in the green room, like, kind of, like, joking around, having beers. And I went and I hid in the corner. I put a, a, a curtain in front of myself and I put headphones in with just like uh, like ambient noise music, and I wrote out my entire scent furiously for like almost an hour and a half. 
uh, just doing that. And it was it was that that got me ready to do it. And if I wouldn't have just forced myself to do it, I probably would have shit the bed. Uh, yeah, I need that pressure. That's like my biggest motivating factor. I I agree one hundred percent. Yeah, like right before shows, especially. Oh man, every time, even before open mics, it gets me. That's uh the best way to prepare. Now it's kind of a lull, which is a bum. But uh, what else are you doing to stay busy? Anything else going on? My day job is still in action. Some days I really just don't do it and feel guilty. But I got that. I've been exercising. I've really been overeating. I'm committed to that, especially since my mom cooks, so it's really easy to do. I get in a lot of television watching. <laughs> I jerk off at least once a day. Naturally. So, you know, I'm still, I'm still maintaining a lot of the hobbies I had before <laughs> this happened. Um, you know, I think it's important to stay connected to those activities that, you know, make you happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny shit. And you're you're out of the city, right? Your parents live uh, in Connecticut, right? Yeah, I, I bailed out of the city, but I don't have a great system here. Because I could not stay in my apartment with my roommate. Like, the guy's okay, but just not enough to survive the end of the world with in, like, a small two-bedroom apartment. Like, day one, he just set up an office in the living room. And I'm like, okay, I've got two options here. I can fight this guy about, this is the communal living room, you're not turning this into your office. Right. Or I can just, or I can just leave. And I'm the kind of guy, I just leave. I'd rather not confront you and just resent you. That's the way I prefer <laughs> to do it. Like... Other people might call me a bitch for that or, like, a lesser person. And it's just everyone's got their own path in life. And mine is I I, I like to quietly resent people. And now the issue with being home is that my parents are, like, overly cautious about this. And so I'm saving a lot of money by being here in terms of being a location that's more comfortable in my apartment. But there's no option of coming and going. Uh, So... I think uh, when my lease is up in July, I'm going to try and find a new apartment. And uh, that way, you know, if the coronavirus continues, I can still go out and bang random people I meet on the Internet. Not that I was doing a lot of that before COVID, but I feel like I'd be cleaning up in this environment. <laughs> Slim pickings right now. Yeah, I just, yeah, everyone, everyone's bored. I, I bring a little more humor to the table. But I'm not good. Were you ever an online dater? Was that ever, like, a thing that you did or not Not really? Not really, man. I I mean, I've been with my girlfriend for the last four years, uh, kind of on and off. But, uh, no, like, the offs were very brief, and we would just get back together. It was more trying to figure out where we were going to live kind of shit. And even between her and the girlfriend before that, no, never really got on the old uh, the Tinder or anything like that. Never went on like a Tinder date. That seems that seems like the just worst thing to me. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've been on a couple. But I'm just not good at communicating via text because I don't enjoy it, so I don't want to do it. Like if you put me in front of someone on a date, I'm pretty good mostly because I can I can entertain myself. And so, like, I'm just funny. Like, I sit there and I'm just funny. I'm like, right. even though sometimes I feel like they don't appreciate it and then I don't get laid, that's fine. I usually just still enjoy myself. <laughs> uh, but I can't, I just can't, like, fumble my way through text conversation. I can't, like, there's no, I like, I don't know, there's no angle for me on it. Yeah, it's always kind of awkward. And I just, man, I, I most strangers... And shit, I just don't care about them anyway. It's it's hard for me to make small talk sometimes in those kind of situations, you know? 
Yeah, I'm, I don't even like text. I don't even really text much with my friends. Like, I'm not. I'm not a big texter. Just fucking call me so we can get get this over with, or mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Not my thing. No, I feel you for sure. Way more efficient. And my phone, God, my keyboard always fucks up. Like, we have a group chat where all the people who do comedy here, and I'll send out, like, hey, we're doing a podcast. And it's always like, hey, we're doing a pre-com. And everyone's like, what? And I'm like, no, I mean a slap cast. It's just always, always fucking up. So it's like, I'll just I'll just call you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buddy. Let's see here. Well, we're coming up on about 40 minutes, bud. Anything we didn't cover? Anything you want to talk about before we wrap her up? Um, no, I don't think so. I just, uh, hopefully comedy comes back and, uh, we can do it again out by you and maybe even line up some more mountains. Do a fucking tour, dude. Hell yeah, bud. That'd be awesome. We'll definitely keep in touch. Robbie Bernstein will be back in the mountains for sure. Uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. And if we... If we open up before you guys do, you know what I mean? Before New York or anywhere around there has anywhere to go. Shit, plane tickets are cheap right now. Bring you out, do some do some shows. Dude, that is a possibility. I was actually thinking I was supposed to go to the Libertarian National Convention, and then I was also supposed to do a gig at, um, at Chili Joe's. I was supposed to perform out in the woods. I, I wish I just had a little bit more of a following, because if I could have lined up gigs between here and there... And not even a lot. Like, if I could have just lined up maybe, like, Philly, Washington, and one... I, I, I was I was really considering road-tripping it. But then I got the same problem where then I either have to go back to my, you know, small New York City apartment, or I can't come back home. Like, I'm committed once I leave. Once I leave, I have to leave. So I kind of need to have enough, like, gigs lined up for that to make sense. Yeah. But... For the time being, I'm really game to just be outside of the New York City area. Yeah, it like, sounds like a mess. Really keeping me there is potentially if Dave starts doing episodes back in studio, but mm-hmm. I'd almost rather just do it once a week by Zoom than just not be in New York. But we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, it is. It's encouraging. There's some signs, at least in this part of Colorado, that things are starting to open up. So like, I want to go drink in public like a regular person. I saw somewhere, though, that, like, they set up in a bar, and that in between, I guess, each person at the bar, they were putting up, like, a canvas. And at that point, I'd rather just drink at home. Personally, (laughs) I I don't need to drink at bars at all. I would so much rather go over to one of my friend's house where we're going to barbecue and drink, or, like, go over to this guy's house and watch him, like watch a movie, like, I, I, I drink it in a bar, which I've done a lot of, especially in New York City, because nobody has, like, homes that you can hang out in, right. but I don't need to drink specifically in a bar, and, like, I'd rather drink, you know, sitting at, like, by a lake or something. Oh, yeah, bonfires, dude, that's my jam, drinking by a fire is the best. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah, well, next time, if you come out here in the summer... You didn't see it before, but we actually have a pretty nice backyard, and we just redid our fire pit. So we'll we'll booze it up. We'll do a fireside chat. How about that? I like it. Do you guys uh, do you mountain bike at all in the winters, or not your jam? Uh, I don't, because it looks horrifying. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, no, there's a lot of places, though. I've done very little, um, like very little. Basically, I used to do a bunch of trail running when I was living in Connecticut before. There's like this... Uh, um, National Park that's got great trail. They had spring on these trails. I had a lot of fun. And then I noticed I had a bike when I was 13 that had, like, the shock things on the front end. And 
God bless, I think it's Giant Bicycles. Because I'm telling you, I had a ride rode this thing since I was 13. So I was like, fuck it, let me go take this thing out on the trails. And I, I wasn't doing, like, crazy downhills or anything, but it was a ton of fun. But then, at one point, my health insurance expired because no longer on my parents' plan. And let me tell you, it was not fun anymore. Oh, yeah. Like, the second, yeah, the second you got it, like, even skiing. I remember I went skiing one year without health insurance. And it also kind of, like, because I, I got to tell you, when you have health insurance, you're like, you don't even really think about breaking an arm or a leg because you just don't even think about it. But when you don't have health insurance and you realize, like, oh, if I break my leg, I'm going to have to go bankrupt to pay for this, then all of a sudden it's actually it's in your mind. And you know with skiing, because I've had this, it's like you don't fall until you have that second in your head where you're like, oh, man, I'm going pretty fast. If I were to fall right now, I would suck. Yeah. That's always when you fall. The yeah. second that thought into your head. Oh yeah, exactly. It's like the, uh, it's like speed wobbles. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Like, uh, uh, like if you're on something like a skateboard or something like that, and you're going really fast and you start wobbling, or like on like bikes and shit. That's as soon as you're like, oh shit, I'm wobbling, then you're toast. The second you panic, you're fucking finished. Yeah. I got to. I've actually thought about this recently. I I used to. I mean, I had the best time in Colorado, so I, I, if I take more Colorado trips, I might have the same affinity for Colorado that I have with Vermont. That's why I've done all of my skiing in Vermont, and I love skiing, so I just got this great feeling that was like love for Vermont. But I realized I've never gone up there in the summer. It might be just incredibly beautiful, and even not mountain biking, I like like cycling on the road. I, I realized, you know, I've kind of never experimented with those environments in the summer months, and I might love them. So maybe I should come up there in the summer and just be like, you know, I just got to convince Dave basically to book like a Denver gig and then maybe just stay out there a little longer. Yeah, there you go. Well, we got uh, uh, the theater in town here. Sean Patton did the Chief Theater a while back, and we, we got him on our podcast to talk about it. But it's not a bad little gig to talk him into that. Take the take the family on a vacation. You said you had fun. You got to hang out with him a little bit, right? Oh yeah, no, he's he's an awesome dude. I was supposed to go hang out with him and his girlfriend Caitlin Cook. I don't know if you ever met her. Uh, she opened for him. Um, they're both great. And me and my girlfriend were gonna go hang out with them uh, before uh, we went to the Scott Horton debate. And I was gonna hang out with you there too, and that obviously all fell through. But no, we hung out with Sean for the whole weekend. He's a great dude, super nice. We just hit him up on Instagram. We're like, "You want to do the podcast?" And he's like, "Sure." And he came by. Uh, so yeah, and it's and he packed out the the Chief Theater downtown. Had a great time. Uh, it's a cool little venue. If you watch uh, the one New Year's Eve video, it's on. Uh, we got a couple actually videos on our YouTube page of the Chief Theater. It's about 150 or so seats. A uh, little spot downtown. So I don't know. I don't know if that'd be enough to draw Dave out to get you guys on tour together. Uh, but we're always putting the gigs together there. I actually just got an email from the guy who was like, "Hey, as soon as we open up, uh, I want to get a comedy show going." So could be a thing. I'm just uh, we'll keep that's in touch. Good. Yeah, that's great that the venues like you as a promoter now. That's huge. Oh yeah, no, we've had great times, and we uh. We sell out all the time. The only show we didn't sell out was the day before all the COVID shit happened. That was that was not a great sellout. But that was at a bar. That wasn't at the Chief. There you go. All right, my man. This was fun. I appreciate it. And uh, it's not for me to you know wrap up your show, so I'll let you do the exit. <laughs> all right. All right, man. So this was fun. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, <laughs> 
But yeah, just everyone, uh, everyone listening, check out uh, Robbie's podcast. He's got Run Your Mouth as his solo podcast, streaming out of his car at his parents' house right now, which has been great. Uh, last couple of episodes were hilarious, and then also he's the co-host of Part of the Problem with Dave Smith. Great show, one of my favorites. A little bit of, a bit of a political spin there, uh, so check that out. And I don't know anything else you want to promote. <laughs> beautiful and yeah keep checking us out steamboatcomedy.com the youtube page we'll have more stuff coming other than that we'll see y'all later peace rain or shine it's here to make you laugh it's the steamboat comedy podcast it's the steamboat comedy podcast